This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, please contact a licensed physician. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the Common Collective, as well as why the Common Collective resists new information. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the weekly report, How Texas Killed COVID. In March, Governor Greg Abbott announced that Texas would open for business 100% without a statewide mask mandate. The pro-lockdown experts were shocked. If a state as big as Texas joined Florida and succeeded in thumbing its nose at the science, which told us that for the first time in history, healthy people should be forced to stay in their houses and wear oxygen-restricting face masks, then the lockdown narrative would begin falling apart. President Biden famously attacked the decision as Neanderthal thinking. Texas Democratic Party Chairman Gilberto Hinojosa warned that with this order, Abbott would kill Texans. Incoming CDC Director Rochelle Walensky tearfully told us about her feelings of impending doom. When the poster child for COVID lockdowns, Dr. Fauci was asked several weeks later why cases and deaths continue to evaporate in Texas, he answered simply, I'm not sure. That moment may have been a look at the man behind the proverbial curtain who projected his power so confidently until confronted with reality. Now, a new study appearing as a National Bureau of Economic Research working paper highlighted recently in Reason Magazine has found no evidence that the reopening affected the rate of new COVID-19 cases in the five-week period following the reopening. State-level COVID-19 mortality rates were unaffected by the March 10th reopening. In other words, not only did the doom and gloom predicted by the lockdown fanatics fail to materialize, but the steady seasonal downward trend of the virus toward extinction continued regardless of government action. As we have repeated for a year on the Liberty Report, the virus was going to virus regardless of anything we did about it, and Texas proved it. However, some very important questions remain to be answered as the COVID panic across the United States is finally starting to recede. First, will anybody be held responsible for the thousands who died because of the prohibition on safe treatments such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin that have since been shown to be effective against COVID-19? As soon as Donald Trump mentioned that hydroxychloroquine might be effective against the virus, the experts circled the wagons. It was banned for use until it later was quietly unbanned. The politicization of medicine is anti-science, anti-human, and anti-American. Will those who needlessly die due to this politicization finally get its justice? 
Second, though, Abbott deserves credit for taking the bold steps. Shouldn't he be held accountable for closing the state in the first place? After all, when someone has been punching you in the face and then they stop, do you thank them for letting up or do you ask why they punched you in the first place? With all the tyrannical rule by decree orders across the United States be stricken from the books, or will they just be allowed to do this again for any reason they choose? Third, thanks to Senator Rand Paul, we are now all aware of Dr. Fauci's role in funding gain-of-function research on viruses in China. Will we be able to find out exactly why we are being forced to pay for the mad scientist research into how to create more deadly viruses? Can we opt out of this funding? Though Greg Abbott deserves much criticism for shutting Texas down, his reopening decree effectively ended COVID tyranny across the country. We are thankful for that. Now we must resolve to never let this happen again. Thanks for listening. Fabi, that was the illustrious Ron Paul. You are very familiar with him. I am. That's when we, uh, when we were uh, working in the campaign, remember? And we saw the system was rigged. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> in the lowest levels of... <laughs> that, that was not uh, terribly far from the beginning of our awakening no it wasn't you know so ron paul's actually um you know give him credit for a lot of that mm-hmm. um i i've since um he's an md he's an md turn into politician and i liked how he gave that little shout out to his son at the end yes. <laughs> Rand paul which we like Rand too we featured him a couple uh-huh. episodes ago uh, talking to fauci yeah i like that the gain of function research yeah and uh we just thought that was a, a good little um, write-up that he did. You know, he's getting up there in the years. I think mm-hmm. he's, I think he's in his nineties, maybe now, and uh, he's uh, he's not as crisp, <laughs> but uh, but still he. I he, think he's just as crisp as he was. He he has a way with words. He was campaigning, words. and you know, we were so hopeful. Oh yeah, no, that I know. he was going to win because the people were with him. And that was an eye-opening experience. You know, um, that was an eye-opening experience, and uh, uh, I think that that really paved the way for us to, um, you know, really kind of um, see where we wanted to take our exploration. And and we've since grown up a lot, even beyond Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. Since then, you know, and, yes. and and that's not unlike a lot of uh, mentors in the space. You know, like we were big Dave Ramsey people. You know, mm-hmm. we, we still liked a lot of the things that mm-hmm. Dave says, but, you know, we've, we've evolved a little bit, not saying that, that, that he's, he's not somebody worth... He's definitely good with the fundamentals. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, um, but, but Ron Paul really deserves his place in, in history as uh, someone who wasn't afraid to speak his mind and go mm-hmm. against the grain and uh, watching... He still goes against the grain. You know, watching some of his debates back in the uh, 2008 and 2012 um uh, elections were are, are some were some of my favorite things to do. Watch them on YouTube. How he would uh, basically say things that no one else on stage would say, and mm-hmm. then just leave everyone like, "Oh my God, are we talking about that?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's but, uh, like this podcast. It is. It is. It's kind of like this podcast. So we wanted to feature him. You know. You know. We are at episode 
20. Can you believe it? We've been doing this for six months now. Really? Does it seem like six months? No. Um, it goes by fast when you're having fun. It does go by fast. Our, our couples therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to do something special for our 20th episode here. And uh, we've got a friend that's going to come on the line. We're going to do a little bit of an interview. A friend listener. Yeah. A lion that we woke up. We A lion that we, we yeah, it seems to be a, a quite a lion. Because remember, we are not here to wake up the sheep. Yes, we are looking for the sleeping lions. Yes. Um, and that is the, I can't remember who said that. That was at uh, Christiane Northrup. I can't remember. That was JP. Oh, that was JP. Oh my God, it was JP. <laughs> you guys don't know who JP is, got to oh, check him out on YouTube. Yeah, he, he's uh, quite the ginger. So, uh, um, yeah. So, he so, is hilarious. Well, and our, our guest today, um, his name's Scott, and uh, he is a longtime friend of ours. Uh, he's uh, a super longtime friend of mine. And uh, we had got an interesting little story because he is an example of someone who, you know, we approached with information many years ago. Uh, related to a experience, personal experience that we had as a married couple with our children mm-hmm. that we'll talk about once we get him on the line. And go ahead. He lives in the tyrannical territory Ca- California. of California. Yeah, he's over in California. Uh, so he's getting a, a, a dose every day over mm-hmm. there. Um, but uh, we went to him with information back then and. Uh, you know, he didn't, nothing much, he wasn't really that interested with our information at that time. And, and uh, you know, obviously we've stayed in touch. We're great friends, uh, see each other at least once a year. And uh, um, now with COVID, we've actually seen each other quite a bit um, and uh, seeing each other a lot over the uh, uh, the socials, or I should say more the uh, the messenger apps and, and talking on the phone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, me as a, as a guy, I don't do a lot of talking with other guys on the phone and I've done a lot more talking, especially with him. And, uh, and that's been good. So that's been actually one positive that's come out of COVID um, yes. is kind of reconnecting with him because he... Our, our podcast is a positive. Our podcast is definitely a positive. Um, so, but anyway, we're going to get him on here in just a second and uh, we're going to kind of talk about the history around our... Um, the evolution of um, how information is consumed and how minds are changed um, or why minds might not change. So we're going to discuss that and have him on here. Did you want to preface anything before we do that? I'm excited to have him on. Yeah, yeah. And he's a good storyteller. I'm actually trying to motivate him to do his own little podcast uh, with some of the stories that he uh, he puts together. He, he, he has a way with uh, engaging with people very non-confrontationally. Yes. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty big guy, you know, pretty tall guy. And, and uh, um, you know, you might think that he'd be very domineering, but he's not. He's really kind of like a teddy bear. Yeah. And... and uh, <laughs> Uh, he uh, just has this way of asking, you know, really awkward or seemingly confrontational things. He seems to be able to ask them very calmly and collectively, and he gets a lot of feedback and a lot of he good gets interaction. Yeah, and that's really what we want to do. So I would like for him to start up his own little thing where he kind of encapsulates those stories, and I think it would be very entertaining. And we'll feature it here if he ever does that. Uh, but let's go ahead and get him on the line. Hang on one second. 
All right. Well, Scott, you are now here with us. Welcome to the Collective Resistance. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No, it's great. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your schedule to kind of talk. I know we've visited quite a bit about uh, just a lot of the experiences that we've both been having uh, throughout this past year, which has been, you know, really good just for us to reconnect with our friendship. But uh, it's also been good just, you know, as fathers and men, just understanding what's going on in the world around us so that we can kind of help guide our families and whatnot. And, and uh, it's been interesting, you know, honestly, seeing your progression, because, you know, not quite a year ago, um, I guess it was what, maybe like nine months ago, you guys visited us in uh, California, uh, where we yeah. were staying in Morro Bay. And, uh, uh, you know, we talked extensively about uh, what was going on with COVID. And, and, you know, something that you uh, kind of blew me away when when we were just talking a little bit earlier to set the stage for this call tonight was that, you know, at that time, you weren't even, you still weren't, even though you had all these questions around what was going on with COVID, you still weren't questioning vaccines at all. Uh, am I putting words in your mouth? Or is that kind of what you had said? No, no, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, for when COVID came on the scene, I was in not tracking or wearing of any like backstories that were happening in society or with the history of medicine or vaccinations or anything like that. I'm just like, you know, as a, as a mental health protocol, I don't, you know, spend any extra time in front of the tube. And so I, I'm basically unaware unless someone tells me that things were coming down. So I, I remember coming home from dropping my parents off at the airport. They had just visited us for one of our daughter's birthdays and they were heading back home. And I think my wife said, hey, did you know the governor uh, ordered all non-essential workers to, to stay at home? And I'm like, I said, so what happens if I don't go out and work? Well, you don't make any money. Guess I'm essential. See ya. You know, and, 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 I, and so I, I went out to work. Now, you know, I, I knew enough to know at the time, you know, that something felt weird and some people were reacting, but I didn't really know what it was. And, and I was working at a site that was fairly remote, but... Um, you know, I just had had some questions I wanted to ask, had some intuitions about what was going on around me, the way people were just all of a sudden acting and adopting in a certain way. And so I'm I'm just a questioner by nature. And, uh, you know, we take a big two month trip, which we just just got on, but we take a two month trip every summer to see family. And uh, it kind of all started where I realized other people were thinking a different way when um, you know, we'd been home for about, everybody had been home for about a month dealing with whatever this was. And, uh, our, uh, extended family on my wife's side had started a zoom session every, I think it was every Sunday. And we were rarely able to make it because of what our schedule was. But one of the times I was on this call with everybody, everybody had talked in about how they were dealing with COVID and, you know, you know, how they were making masks and doing all this stuff. And, and how it was affecting all their plans. And then there were, someone said, like, yeah, we're really sorry you guys aren't going to be able to travel this summer. And I'm like, what do you mean we're not going to be able to travel this summer? You know, I said, we're going we're gonna to go unless they're at the airport with guns. <laughs> and I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't trying to be funny but I, or, or silly or disrespectful in any way, but I'm like, well, why, why would we not go? And I think that little thing and the way people reacted to it kind of started the whole um, – you know, questioning of, of what was going on and why. But 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was most, we, we went and had a great time on our trip for the most part, but there was a lot of discussion. We had family that, you know, didn't want to see us because they weren't comfortable, and we had some that did because they were comfortable, and, and at that point in time, we had just said, hey, let's, I'm not, we want to get too far off the, uh, the uh, topic and track what we're talking about, but we just kind of, you know, until everybody knows what's going on is comfortable, we'll just operate with least comfortable person. And so the restriction was to say, for tree, we got a hug, we got to hang out. There's going to be no masking and no distancing. If you're not cool with that, that's okay. You know, no judgment. But if we're going to do that and go through that time and expense and trouble, especially with the kids, it doesn't need to be weird because it looks like it's going to get weird in California where we, uh, where we live. And so it was just kind of going to be a respite, you know, at least a couple months. And um, for the most part, it really was. But but some of those situations uh, got a little crazy because people were getting their information from different sources. And I think that is maybe the uh, the foundation of, of our talk tonight, uh, how things get to different points. But that's kind of a little bit of a backstory on, on where things started. I guess shoot, that's been March of last year, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and and I wanted to back up a little bit on this particular episode and and broaden this conversation out a little bit wider than uh, COVID because, you know, you and I have been friends a long time. And and, uh, when Fabi and I went through or when we first experienced and then, you know, started to uh, work through our challenge around vaccine injury, you know, we would see you guys typically just once a year, right? We might talk right. occasionally on the phone for birthdays and things like that. But, but for the most part, we wouldn't, we would, you know, only talk extensively on those annual visits. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like it was a forced conversation topic, but, you know, it would come up and we would talk right. about vaccination and, and, uh, um, and again, I, I know that our, viewpoints are not identical even today but um at at that time when we first broached the topic um you know you you certainly were not um angry about it coming up like many people uh respond uh in that way but but uh you you didn't really seem very interested in it and and uh didn't really have a dog in the hunt at the time and so i wondered maybe if you could talk a little bit um, because I, I think this is a great uh, time capsule maybe to talk about how people come to new information that could change how they look at a topic and why maybe they are not uh, embracing it, even if it's somebody that they trust and that they care about that's coming to them with that information. And then, you know, in your particular progression on this topic, you know, uh, you know, is it was it a situation where you you evolved over many years of getting small pieces of information, or really was it more a situation where you really felt the same way, literally up until this past year, and then you saw some things that um, were interesting to you, and 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 at that point you had a shift. And I, I wondered if you could kind of walk us through that a little bit, Fabi. Do you do you have any other clarity that that uh, you were wanting to? Yeah, I think what I wanted to ask you, Scott, really out of curiosity, because I know you you are in a different place now, but I have had friends that, that know what happened to my son, and I think maybe kind of uh, heard, and they got the vaccine, and when they saw me, the first thing they said is, 
I know you don't like it, but I went ahead and got it. Mm-hmm. What do you think that's about? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing because I think different people come to their their conclusions on what they want to do for their own family based on a whole range of emotions and feelings and and maybe asking questions and maybe doing some research. But I would say by and large, uh, and not to jump ahead of the questions that we may do through this, uh, this talk here, I, I don't think people really know what's going on. So in, in a situation like that, there's just an example of maybe not knowing if someone, if someone comes to you in that way, I'm sorry, I went ahead and got the vaccine instead of, Hey, look, I know we've talked about this brought up. So I went and I did my own research. I found out you were wrong or you were not correct on some of these details. And so I felt I needed to make a different decision for me and my family. My guess is what's happened. And with most of the, Uh, results of the conversations I've had is people just have gone out and done stuff based on partial information or incorrect information. And again, that can happen on both sides of any discussion, any topic. Uh, But as as you kind of dig into these things, as I have dug into these things, the conclusions seem very hard to come up with different than than what they have for me. And if I don't, Fabi, if that answers your question, I, I don't know completely. Yeah, I was just wondering because, <laughs> because um, I never said I didn't like vaccines. I just shared my experience and the questions that we had. And I don't know if I ever really shared with you guys the whole story, but I just find it interesting for people to come. It's like they're trying to explain themselves like, I'm going to be mad at them or something. So I don't know. Right. I don't know if you guys ever felt like that. Because I remember at one point we were talking and you said something like, yes, because you guys know that we are, I think maybe you use like the, the expression pro-vaccines. And I know this is always a touchy subject that, you know, we talk mm-hmm. about things, but it feels like we can't even ask, okay, you are pro-vaccine, but do you know what's in a vaccine? And and I would say most people don't know what's in it. So it's just interesting yeah. to hear people say, I'm pro-something, and I don't, I'm not concerned of what is in it. Like, I had friends that tell me, I'm not concerned. The doctor told me to do it. I'm just going to do it. And, and then the story, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I just, and I'm not saying, Hey, um, I, this, this is bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I said, we had a bad experience with it. We did more research and found out these things and it's a long conversation, but I just wonder from the other, being on the other side, why would people want to explain themselves when I just came in the door? <laughs> You sure. Know. Well, I, I think at the heart of your question, I think that maybe my hope is that some people that it's, it's hard to sit down and have a conversation back and forth with because we're so busy and wanting to respond to a, a, an individual point in a conversation that we don't have time to let an entire body of thought or mm-hmm. Line of reasoning over us, and so that's what's nice about something like a podcast or anyone that listens to this is they'll kind of 
see the thought progressions that we've gone through. Now, I, I will tell you, when you guys first brought this up to us, and you'll have to remind me of the of the exact dates of when his injury occurred. But he was you six know, months. I. What's that? He was six months. Well, I think okay, what he's so meaning is like six, six months when, 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 of age. No, no, but when, <clears throat> when we were uh, uh, talking with them about it, what was the date? Oh. You know that that was not how old he was. I thought but, he meant to say when his injury occurred. No. Yeah, well, okay. So let me at least say from my from my standpoint in my life, you know, I'm you know volunteering information. I got so vaccinated from birth with all the things that were available from someone that would have been born in 19. 19- 76 mm-hmm. folks the same way you know um just and even though i think you know during my life i've had a few surgeries and stuff we we inherently know that there is some risk of uh, injury or death in any medical procedure and we know that but we also just kind of have this innate belief that that is such a rarity that we just quickly sign off on uh, on those forms. And in, in reality, until you meet someone who's had an injury or has lost someone, um, from a medical procedure, you're like, well, that's just the rarity. And it's certainly not the exceptional rule. And I certainly need this. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that is my frame of mind back, you know, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, when we started talking about this. Mm -hmm. Now that's just my frame of mind. Never had one piece of information, never talked in depth with my mom or dad on why they vaccinated us, never talked in depth with anybody else, our pediatricians, our doctors. I mean, I didn't ask a lot of questions as a kid, mm-hmm. but there were times as I got older, you know, I had appendicitis and I broke a finger and I had to go in for surgery. I, I had my nose carterized and I'm kind of a questioning person. So I would ask doctors questions like that. I would have asked, had I had to sign something, why am I signing this? Why, why would they put down here? There's, there's a risk of, of death. I just want to get my finger fixed. Right. 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 Well, uh, so if you're going to put me under, well, there's an increased risk to that. Now, do, do people die under anesthesia? Well, yes. Do they die often? Well, no, but I happen to have known someone personally who's done that. So in, in that, in that particular realm, I can't say it doesn't happen or that the risk doesn't matter to somebody. But going to that, I had zero, zero research knowledge, zero uh, examples of someone having an injury, even though I, you know, those forms were signed for me. And so, you know, not to get the cart before the horse with where we're going here, but like you guys became parents before we became parents. Mm-hmm. And so you had... You know, had we become parents first, we would have just done that thing that we were going to do anyway because you just vaccinate your kids. That's what you do. Yeah. You vaccinate your kids. Okay? There's That's no question about it. That's where I was it. too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and so until – I think part of it is until people have an experience where they know that there is a, a profound uh, danger um, – and a, a real and in fact, the reason we thought we needed to get it may have been completely um, straightforward. Mm-hmm. And then also the thing is products are, are not, you know, not all, all these truthful. And 
you, you throw a whole bunch of their stuff at this and try to figure it out. But, you know, for me, just coming into the picture, like, so where we were when you guys told us is like, we had our belief, right? right. And so, so we're like, okay, okay. So, and, and I don't, I don't remember the exact tone of the very first conversation we had, but I do remember meeting the baby when he was normal and fully functional. When I say, I'm sorry, that's normal, fully, what you would expect um, a baby to be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because it is something that is hard to make the correlation because when I called the nurse, when he had his reaction, the first thing she told me is she said it wasn't the vaccine. That was the first thing out of her mouth. So I spent so much money and and thank goodness we were we had the means to spend money and find practitioners that insurance companies don't cover. Um, to look into the physiology of everything, look, okay, order the right tests to to make the relationship and finally decide, okay, this child cannot be vaccinated anymore and we're going to give him a medical exemption. Um, but I know that that's not the case for most people, right? So we say this is rare. We say it's rare because nobody's really... Um, Nobody's really um, acknowledging it, <laughs> you know. The pediatrician's not acknowledging it. The nurse is not acknowledging it. The first thing they say, it wasn't the vaccine. Like, for example, I had a cousin just recently that died, um, apparently of COVID. She had had both doses of one of the vaccines. And nobody even questioned, could the vaccine have, could it co- have contributed to her death? Nobody questioned it. Everybody says, oh, yeah, she got vaccinated, but she still got COVID and then she died. So, and, and, and as we talked in the, in the podcast, we said so many times how VAERS, which at the time when Leo got his injury, we didn't even know of VAERS. We didn't know that that even existed. So it's so underreported. So how do, how do we know, right, that it's not going to cause diabetes in a child or cancer or we say 54% of children these days have a chronic illness that we can't really relate to anything because nobody's paying attention or people don't have money to do the testing or um, the kid was fine one day and then, then died of SIDS and then people say, well, they, they probably were sleeping in their stomach. And so there's so many other causes they're attributed to things. You know, nobody's paying attention, so... I just want to say, I don't think it's rare. It's just. Well, and, 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 and you know, these are important topics. Um, wasn't exactly where right, we where wanted we to go going, tonight. But I just wanted yeah, to address yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. But, but, but Scott, then from, we had those interchanges. And again, I don't even think we had a ton of those. I mean, it was just a few of them maybe here and there. And you guys were always, yeah, you always very... Um, you are like one of the few people that are always willing to listen. Willing to listen, yeah, because yeah. most people would just want to argue. Yeah, and and uh, but but my where where I was interested in your viewpoint was you may be looking at your own reaction to um, to us and us communicating on that topic, and then kind of branching that over to your experience around 
COVID and you then learning these additional uh, angles around what was going on and then you kind of trying to get into interchanges with people and see what their thoughts were on these same topics, you know, around uh, um, different treatments and, and uh, the vaccinations and, and, and what your experience has been. What were maybe some key moments for you that, that uh, shifted your perspective, you know, outside of conversations that we had? What, what did your own experience lend to uh, uh, you having this um, because you know, like we mentioned before, we had you on here. We 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 kind of feel in a lot of ways like you're 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 kind of a sleeping lion. You know, there, we we talk about sheep and we talk about sleeping lions, and and you seem like you're very empowered. Um, you know, to uh, uh, to talk to people and 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 uh, uh, make progress with getting information out and and making sure children, um, you know, are are treated correctly throughout this whole thing with COVID. So, can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely, and and I want to make sure there was there was a moment about thirty seconds, a few minutes back where I could not hear you guys, and then when you came back, uh, Fabiola was talking. So from from your end, are you are you receiving everything that yeah, I? Yeah, no, I said noticed okay? the I noticed the connection went out. I actually had to switch. I think the kids in the bedroom turned the Wi Fi router off, so I had to switch <laughs> to my cell phone to for internet. <laughs> so we got you back. Okay. So yeah. Okay, so you I. I just want to make sure that I finish because what I thought I was when I got uh, when I lost you guys was that oh, when I noticed you guys weren't back in the conversation um, when you started talking about Leo, we had um, our beliefs right. Mm-hmm. You're breaking up a little bit, too, Scott. On, I'm sorry. You're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if you need yeah, to come so closer I'm, to your connection. Or- I'm wondering if it's either your your Wi-Fi or if it's your Bluetooth to the device. I don't know. Well, I can try. Um, let me see if I can and shut this off here, and we'll see if it uh, makes it any better. I just I don't want to destroy the uh, production quality. Of it. Um, <laughs> let me try. Sh- let me try shutting it off, and then you'll see if you can hear me any. Okay. Our work here is very organic. Okay, can you hear me at all? Yeah. Yeah. Is that better? I mean, you're you're still clear. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, it's off, and I'm just I'm just talking. I think I've got the volume up all the way. That's okay. Good. So, anyway, we had our beliefs, and our beliefs just came from basically the environment. And the environment at that point was this is what um, our family did. This is what we're going to do. We're in agreement on things. When we came into a marriage, we didn't even really talk about it. It was just something we're going to do. We had no evidence or information or experience to the contrary. So that's where we were. Um, and we defended it pretty well. I think we defended it with our lives in you know, conversations. When you agree with someone, it's very interesting because you don't talk about it too much. When you have a disagreement with someone, that's when you figure out that there's opposing views and, and, uh, and all the things that come with that. So when you guys suffered the injury, you know, in the back of our minds, we knew that could happen, but it just doesn't happen. And it certainly doesn't happen to people you know. And then with your particular injury with Leo, and I think the folks that have been following your podcast specifically and, and folks in the family that might hear this for the first time, you know, uh, you know, he suffered an injury, if I'm correct, from, from, the, uh, from the MMR um, vaccine. It was the, and, the HIB um, vaccine. What's that? The HIB vaccine. That's the, that's the one he had? 
Mm-hmm. That was when he has had a big reaction, started changing, and then uh, we delayed actually the MMR and gave it to him at 18 months, and then that's when uh, we totally lost his language and his eye contact at that point. Okay, okay. Well, I'm sorry I got that out of order. That, that's... No, no, that's fine. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> okay, no, no, that that that's good because I think it's it's important to hear how these things get put together because as I've as I've dug into these things more, it just seems like amazing some of the things that were said to me after the fact so again you know we come into it where where we are you guys have have the experience and and then not only you know is is little leo on the spectrum you know after being a normal child you guys are being told correct me if i'm wrong you're being told by doctors um how you're supposed to prepare to live the rest of your lives with a son who's not going to be able to function outside the home or on his own is going to need care for the rest of his life and beyond your own lives. Yeah. And so, and, and being told there's limited resources for helping that. I know that's a whole nother conversation. And for folks who don't know this, that you guys have recovered him. And I don't think I even knew that there was ability to recover people who were autistic. Um, yeah, we didn't know either. We just that. had faith <laughs> that it was going to work and, out. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing, and I will tell you where this in, intersected our lives personally. So where, um, so Leo is, is 12 now, right? Yes. Okay. So your kids are about six years older than ours. So when we're talking about this, you're in the, the thick of the recovery, um, you know, and you had Tristan after that and, and the information from that you learned in your, in your life and and helping Leo and, and recovering him saved Tristan's life. Again, that's a whole nother uh, podcast too, but yeah. um, you, you learn to ask those questions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we still weren't okay. asking the questions. The question we asked is, um, you know, we, we hear all these things from you guys. We know that you've, you're deep into it. You, you're, you're researching everything you can. You're trying to find out how to help your child, how to help your boys, both of them at this time. And how to make those changes in life that maybe you can, you know, give him a better quality. Maybe he won't have this, uh, you know, not even talking about the fact that you could and did fully recover him, but the fact that maybe maybe life won't be as bad as it has to be for other autistic people. Because, like, going from where he was when I first met him as a baby and held him, and then and then meeting him after the injury and thinking, wow, I can't even get near him. And and then to where we you know we've been the last the last times of, of hanging out where he's he's just like a normal little guy you know and he's smart mm-hmm. and he's handsome and he's mm-hmm. gonna have a good life and you guys you know most most of what you've had to do to to go through that experience you know emotionally and financially and and the changes in your life I've we've we've kind of walked beside you but never really got down in the trenches with you and I think that's part of Part of the distance between people who don't have it personally happen to them, but hear about it, mm-hmm. you know, because so we hear mm-hmm. about it. And, and a lot of that's like, well, you know, he's, he's our boy friend and and what it did at the time is like we had our own children are with our first, you know, we, we, we met a pediatrician, we talked to him and. And we said, "Hey, we've got a, we've got a this experience that we never ever heard about, but we've got um, friends that um, received a vaccine or a couple of vaccines, and then they're 
their son became autistic and and, and uh, you know caused autism in their son with these vaccines and he goes I have an autistic my our pediatrician looked just right in the eye said my son my son is autistic and there is no evidence that uh, vaccines lead to autism and shame on us but that's after after everything we had like heard from you guys over a few years time up to that point, once we had kids of our own, a doctor in one sentence um, really flipped the switch, right? Yeah. Or didn't even flip the switch, but just engaged the belief we already wanted to have and wanted to believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back, so we have three girls now, um, six and a half, four, and not quite two. And... I, unless there's something major change that I will learn going forward, they're done with vaccines. I mean, I, I'm. Oh, thank goodness. They're not going to get the HPV. (laughs) That's the one I'm always scared about. It's, it's just, and I know there will be conversations because I think right now where I'm at is, is almost like a ministry to the people who are on the other side. I look at, I look at what our doctor said to us, and I think of all the reasons why he may have said that to mm-hmm. us. And, you know, obviously autism is a spectrum, right? Maybe his son doesn't have it that bad. So yeah. when I look back at our own girls and we say, well, they got the vaccines and there's been no effect. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not sure of that because I look at little behavioral patterns in our um, in our girls and I'm thinking, well, what what is that that, why is that? You know, mm-hmm. because I wasn't around when my mom was a little girl or my right. grandma was a little girl. Or my great grandma was a little girl to know what a little girl at six or, um, you know, four or two, they acted like. I mean, there, there are times when I feel like the girls are just spacing out and people would say, well, that's just that's just kids at that age. And maybe yeah. it is. But we don't have any control group. And I think that's part of the right the, part of the issue with all these things is there's there's awful safety testing if there's any the control groups are are flawed and and from the yeah there is no placebo when they do the yeah yeah. as you guys know that and as as (laughs) i've learned that's been the interesting thing is so once and we'll get to the part where i started actually educating myself and looking at the actual information instead of um instead of just kind of going with what I thought and what I'd heard from people, it's like, you know, you guys have probably both heard that thing in, in the light of uh, you know, facts do nothing when a belief is established. I and mean, you, yeah. you really have to, you really have to have some kind of a, a click and it still didn't happen. You know, for me, you know, way back when the, the whole uh, COVID thing started, I just remember, I mean, actually my first, I first thought about vaccines was like, hey, they're um, everyone's going to start looking for a vaccine. And I don't remember reading it anywhere. It's just like, okay, if they're shutting us down and they're distancing us. And, and when I say that, I'm, I wasn't looking for any nefarious plan that was going on or looking in, into anything, which I believe there's credible information with a lot of different things that are going on. But I do remember thinking, well, hopefully they'll get a vaccine out quickly that will will uh, will end this thing or, mm-hmm. you know, the other side, if it's not that bad, you know, we'll get herd immunity. And so, you know, when this thing first started, people were talking about both sides of that, but then of course that conversation went away with censorship uh, yeah. pretty quickly. And, 
but then it was vaccine this vaccine that vaccine this and um and it wasn't until we we visited you guys twice um in the fall when you lived in california and Mm -hmm. um it wasn't until the second time we came up where i started really engaging with some of the 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 deeper research on on everything around what was going on with COVID-19. And so where it tracked into the vaccine thing was all the, all the interesting stuff that has nothing to do with vaccines. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as as an example, um, you know, if you go to school these days in a secular system, you might also learn math, science, reading, and history. Mm-hmm. But you have so much extra stuff to worry about because of where we are as a society and where we are that education is just one of the things you get at school. And sometimes it's not even a priority, you know. And, and so with the whole, if vaccines were just an effective or non-effective medical product that was out there and they lived or died on their own by how they performed or not, and that's all we had to judge them on, that would be pretty straightforward and clear cut, right? Yeah. But then you take you take money, politics, mm-hmm. political persuasions, um, ignorance, bad information, censorship, you know, divisions on all kinds of these things, and you throw those all into the mix and you get what we have now. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. so so getting to the bottom of like where this related to to our families together is we had put people that we trust or should be able to trust in a position of authority over information. Yes. And that can be a really dangerous thing. And I think we've all done, I've certainly done in my life, and, and where I stopped doing it specifically in the last year is if I hear anything from one person on one side, I don't completely say okay that's got to be the truth or that's got to be a lie but what i do do especially when i can go to the other side and find the story from the other side and then say okay what's what was consistent in both stories what was not consistent you know like and you know someone may have a high eyewitness account someone may have heard it through third or fourth hand and so it's been really really wild as i've had these conversations to come up with different stories on both sides and so that's kind of actually my mission in ministry is to 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 get past those situations with covid with vaccinations with you know mandates and social um, social protocols and stuff like that is just to i don't know kind of come in softly in the back door and just have a conversation like you're you know we've always been able to have this conversation now have we always been open to having our our uh, opinions changed well, no. Really? And, yeah, but I would know, never the, tell. <laughs> if you hadn't told me, I'd be like, "What?" <laughs> but but just just like ignorant things that we would say and believe, like you know, our discussions around our house before staying with you guys over a summer. Mm-hmm. You know, once we had kids and and uh, and we knew you guys weren't vaccinating anymore after the injury, and you know, open about that, and we had discussions, and then. You know, my wife would say, well, hey, uh, you know, are, are you worried about staying with him or not? And I'm like, are staying with him? I'm like, I'm not worried. They're, we're vaccinated. We don't have to worry about it. Right. Right. 
if that and, and here's that's that that kind of, that statement is ignorant on two different things that I have learned. It's like, you know, we're under the the opinion that we are covered mm-hmm. because we've had this product added to our bodies, and you guys weren't covered because you didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is one of the fallacies. I I think they're you know everybody thinks that vaccines completely cover you, even though we say completely. We know there's percentages of not, and there's you know there's lacks of coverage and that's a whole nother conversation but the the by and large thing that people believe when you say vaccination is what you're saying is are you immune okay Mm -hmm. and no you're not immune the only way you are immune is if you get natural immunity and you have enough in there to fight off whatever comes at you from whatever direction it is whatever disease or virus we're talking about it's never provided 100 percent by a vaccine and your best chance natural immunity and that's you guys realized that but yeah. you know for us to make that state the other way like like well we shouldn't be worried about you know and if anything we're going to give something to you and so it was a statement of ignorance on our time now that ignorance is based on the information right and right. is the information credible or not credible and mm-hmm. i can i can go for a lot more on this because this is kind of where this is the the, the passions that that I am finding as I'm actually been engaging with this this topic for a while now, but it's really not been a while. I mean, it's it's always been there, but it's only really <laughs> yeah. Because this is what I wonder: really, um, yeah. don't people like at least like Leo posted something today? On the Telegram channel. And I just, it just made me wonder. I'm going to read it real quick because I thought it was pretty um, interesting. But it said, what is it about this shot? Why is it being pushed and required now for our kids too? Unlike any other, no one is sure if it provides immunity. No one is sure if it stops you from getting sick. No one is sure how long it lasts. No long-term safety or efficacy data exists. Most animal trials prove it unsafe. The pressure, the craze, the scorning of those who decline it is abnormally immense. So I ask again, what is it about the shot? What's in it? What will it do to us? Was the shot made because of COVID? Or was COVID made because of the shot? You tell me. So it just makes me wonder. I mean, people don't like in the back of their mind, as you said, in the back of your mind, you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure about this. I should ask my doctor, right? Do you think that people have a little bit of their intuition, maybe thinking there's something off here? Yeah, I I think so. You know, you know. I'm not going to get it right, but, you know, people, people operate in, in, in two major ways, you know, fear of loss or hope for gain. And it sucks to be scared mm-hmm. and it sucks to be scared and unaware. It sucks even worse. To, I'm sorry for the word, but it sucks to be scared and ignorant and yeah. ignorant gets a bad rap. But if, if we're, if we're self ignorant, um, that's a problem. And if we, if we don't look at, if we don't look at an accident from all four angles, you know, north, south, east, and west, and 
and use our own you know filtering system in the brain that God gave us to you know to sort through information and and figure out what is at least credible to to consider not consider um, then again there's another problem so there there are just so many holes in things that are going on and it's filled in by fear and you know you can take a little morsel of truth and wrap it up in a big fat lie and sell it and people will do these things yeah. i mean you can look i mean you guys know because you're 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 deep into the data and the numbers and research and i think the overwhelming thing that i have noticed from the and i'm, I'm not anywhere near where you guys have been on this and, and your and your listeners but there is a very calculable, um, consistent, easy way to filter the information that comes in on what you would call the non-narrative side in the whole COVID thing. So the way I put it is like there's a narrative that's out there that there's this um, – I'm going to say a lot of things that are you know, not, not conjecture, but they – People listening to this may may not agree, right? Like, is the virus real or not? Yes or mm-hmm. no? Well, okay. <laughs> Has it had the um, transmissibility rate that we're claiming? Yes or no? Is there a, an accurate way to test for it to see if it's um, that transmissible or, or actually affecting people in certain ways? Yes. So is the testing right or wrong? So once you go to that, it's like, what is actually causing the sickness and the death? Are those numbers right? So is our response proportionate to what we're doing? Um, are there other ways of, if it is an actual thing, are there other ways of treating it? Okay, well then what's the political side of it because of the way we've set up our different governments and systems like here in the United States? I think one thing people don't know is that if there's an effective treatment for what we are calling COVID-19, then we would not have these um it's hard for me to call them vaccines because of the whole definition around them. You guys right. are probably aware of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're it, not it's vaccines. It's hard to call them vaccines. I'm going to call them vaccines of this because that's what most people understand. You can call but them gene therapy not, or the shot. Yeah, I call, them, <laughs> call them whatever they want. I'm just going to call them vaccines because I think anyone that listens to this is going to understand it as mm-hmm. what they hope it to be. But we could not have these if they let any one of the other effective drugs that have been working all around the world in this thing for years, and not just, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, yes. but like ivermectin and hydrochloroquine, and I, I'll butcher the names of all the other ones, but those are highly effective uh, treatments, and they don't require vaccines, and they keep people out of the hospital, and they keep people from dying, and they can be used preventatively, they can be used in, in larger doses to, to people that have already caught it, but yet we don't use them. And why don't we use them? Yeah, and in, fa- so- in fact, we we played uh, a little uh, bumper clip before we had you on of uh, uh, ex senator, uh, or I'm sorry, Congressman Ron Paul. He was giving an update, mm-hmm. and he was speaking specifically about how you know drugs like hydroxychloroquine had been banned, and then as uh, we've gotten into a new administration, they've quietly been unbanned, and uh, you know you're not hearing about them in the news, but they are being prescribed. You know, uh, so why aren't yes. we why aren't we uh, screaming at the top of our lungs on every news channel that you know these treatments are now considered safe and effective, and you need to go to your doctors to get those as opposed to maybe uh, rushing to get a shot? Where it's just so intriguing that those two realities uh, are present. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and, and the other thing, and then who's getting credit? Who's getting credit for the, um, I don't know, we're going to call it success or the numbers getting better, this, that, and the other thing? I mean, certainly the vaccines and, and every every entity involved in those is going to rush to get credit. You know, we're, we're, we're winning the tide. We're winning the war. People are mm-hmm. getting healthy. They're not getting sick. Well, what about natural immunity of the people that have gotten it? What about the people that are staying out of the hospital because they've been using these you know, these other treatments. And what about people in, in that are just living their lives and going on? I mean, there are so many things going on out there that could be causing both sides of what's going on. And and yeah. so there's, there's all this information. And again, there's been no control group. And I mean, oh, here we are. Here we're the control. We, we are the control, <laughs> Scott. We are right, the control. Right. Yeah, yeah. So there's been no past control group, and and the, you, you guys are aware of all the animal testing studies and and, and the past histories and failures of of uh, mRNA, therapies yeah. along. Yeah, the mRNA along this line, and by and large, when I'm talking to people, and and I, I am not smooth in a delivery. My my point is not to sit down and engage with someone and try to um, save them, if you will. Right. I'm, I'm more what of a, is of your a seed intent planter. Behind it? A seed planter, okay. Yeah, like in my faith, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And so I, I have yet, in my life, I've had very few relationships that I've seen from the start to finish when I mean someone that doesn't know... Um, doesn't know Jesus the way I believe that he's the savior of the world and the only way to heaven. I've had very few people that I've talked to from, you know, beginning to end and seen that conversion happen in, in my lifetime. Now, mm-hmm. I have had people come and tell me later, like, like some of the things we talked about and someone else came in and got to witness that conversion. So, so I'm a seed planter. So in, in, in the way I um, witness about the things I know is like, I want to be truthful. So I'm not going to go out and, hear something and then immediately go parrot it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to find, I want to find three or four or five ways of looking at the same information, run it through this filter and say, what are the common things that stick? What are the, what are the things that like, if you're looking at an accident from four different directions, like, Hey, can you tell us, you know, what colors were the car? You know, how many people were involved? How did they get hurt? Stuff like that. And those stories should all have the same basic elements. Now, you're going to have a little bit of different details around there. I, I forget what the name of that in reporting is called, but they're non-essential. Each report's going to have a little bit different thing, all telling the same story. And those that type of information, that filter system, help me helps me arrive at a lot better picture and conclusion of what I believe is closer to the truth than maybe something that is um, projected projected from another way that where the story keeps changing or the line keeps getting redrawn or there's a lot of fear involved. And, you know, when people are scared, we act in haste and we don't make the smartest decisions. How this all works out for the vaccine thing is like, I just never knew. So I wanted to find out all I could. And mm-hmm. I know all the stories from hearing people. And I can, you can ask anyone on the street. Uh, well, not anyone. Um, you can ask a hundred people off the streets you know, what they feel about vaccines and should we get them? Should we not? What do they do? You know, are we safe with them? Are we safe without them? And all those questions would be 99 out of hundred. Again, I have not done this personal test, but I've, I've been talking to so many people that it's, this it seems like would be like, yes, they help. We need them. 
They keep people from, from getting these certain things. They are the sole reason people don't get these things. And yes, we should do them um, without any questions asked. Mm-hmm. And and then if you were to bring up something like, well, did you know the polio vaccine actually gave people polio? And that, hey, you brought it up earlier, Fabiola. There's things in these vaccines. Do you know what are in them? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, 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 the dead virus or the attenuated virus or whatever this is. Well, did you know there's stuff that you probably shouldn't have in your body? You know, there's stuff from, you know, you know the whole DDT thing and, yeah. and these things that we wouldn't even spray on our plants. And, yeah. and now we're, we're putting them into our bodies in much larger concentrations. And then the whole thing, too, is like, and this has been a really weird thing, too. There seems to be, and you guys would know more than I do on this, but... It seems to be that there is something that just wants to get past a certain point here. And, and what I'm meaning by that is, I'm going to forget the exact date and the exact number of deaths, but it was sometime, I think in the late 60s or late 70s, around the whole swine flu epidemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because they, 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 they had very limited, I mean, deaths by comparison. I mean, I want to say it was like, it was like, 20 to 40 people or something. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, but didn't they pull it? And stop they did. They it right did pull out. it. They did pull it they, yeah, be, because so, of that. And so, yeah. So that's the thing is like, okay, you know, you know, any life that can be saved is worth doing anything you can do. And I know there's people out there that have tough jobs that have to make a calculation of, okay, do we stop people from going to work so we can save these lives over here from a medical side? But what happens with our economy? That's a tough job. It's a tough job for any politician, anyone who's in the, um, you know, public safety realm, doctors, you know, the, it's all tied into that. But then when there's the side of the uh, misinformation or censorship that I think is so vital in the way two doctors that, that treat people and want to get to the same result, which is healing that person and making that person well, and they have two different views, let, let them talk. My goodness, you know, let them talk. And so my question is, when, when, you pull, when you pull a study from 40 years ago, or you pull this vaccination that they were doing for the swine flu 40 years ago because it killed somewhere around 40 people, what are we doing when this one has, has killed 4,000 people and the numbers are climbing and we don't even ask questions about it? And it gets thrown up and, and thrown down and this and the thing. And when I talk to people, like the people that have gone out and gotten the vaccine in, in what I will say is just a, not a nonchalant manner, but mm-hmm. this is what we're supposed to do for public safety. This is how we can help do our job. Right. This is how we can bring the pandemic to an end. And they've done no real research, and we don't have time to do it. Okay, that's another thing. We have to trust the people that we put in these positions. Our our, our doctors, for sure. We want to trust the CDC and the mm-hmm. FDA. We, we have to trust um, these institutions. Yeah, we don't trust yeah, them with our money, them. but we trust yeah. them with our bodies. And 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 I think you know because I've listened to your show and I've told you my personal experience with. Um, going in and getting, after having a doctor prescribe ivermectin. Um, and once I told I told the pharmacist what it was about, they said, oh, well, you can't have this. And the FDA has, has restricted, you know, use on this. And I'm like, why? You know, I mean, we both know it was effective. And, and it wasn't just like one or two reports, but then, you know, why, why is there all this print about it being ineffective and stuff like that? So... And then, of course, now, you know, the current administration is catching up to it, like you said, and they're they're quietly but not so quietly releasing these studies. And so I just don't like the gamesmanship, um, because when you're playing with with lives, it, 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 
it's more than just money. I have I don't begrudge any company for wanting to make money. I think honestly, these medical companies should make a ton of money for getting people well and getting people healthy and protecting them with vaccines. But they're not going about it that way. That should be the result of a hard day's work. You know, mm-hmm. we sold cars. You you sell someone a car and and do a great job selling the car, and they feel good, and they know that you're there to take care when something happens. Make a ton money on that commission and you should feel good about it those companies should have the way of feeling good about it which they don't because there's there's so much (laughs) there's so much corruption around bringing these products out and you know the whole the whole vaccine story from the beginning is is a big push you know and Mm -hmm. so the questions i mean i will say the questions i'm at now like do we even need vaccines? And I will tell you that in my research, most of the doctors and people that are interviewing in on this stuff say, yeah, I still think vaccines are a good thing, but we administer them in the wrong way, um, combining them, delivering them too early in too large amounts to too young of kids. And and then vaccines, of course, are taking the credit for um, for all healings when we're not paying attention to the environment. We're not paying attention to the the way sanitation has improved, the way people's population densities. You know, this, for an example, with COVID is the first time, I think, in human history where we've quarantined the healthy people. Um, mm-hmm. That hasn't worked, if, if anyone's been following the numbers. But but that's, that is actually a very effective way of getting past disease in the old world. They would quarantine the sick and they would get around it. So... You know, I would implore anybody who listens to this before they're like so sure that the steps they've taken personally are for the betterment of their own kids and their families to really know what they're talking about. Now, I will say someone may look at all the data they can possibly get their hands on, which is tough, but they may look at all that and they may still make a different risk assessment yeah. than, than I might or what you might. Mm-hmm. But and maybe that's maybe that's what your friend from the very beginning said to you, Fabi, but it just doesn't sound like that. And as I've dug into those situations, that hasn't been the case. Mm-hmm. So I get I get I get statements made to us like, well, this is what our doctor or the CDC tells us is safe. Right. And, you know, that's even another conversation. Well, the CDC may not be completely on your side with this one. Mm-hmm. Your doctor may mm-hmm. not know. Yeah. Your doctor might want to keep his job and keep being it, or she might want to keep her job and keep being a doctor. So there's certain things they might want want to tell you. Yeah. So I will tell you where I'm at right yeah. now is is knowing what I know and coming to conclusions I know. I want to wash that back through to my doctor and say, okay, why did you tell us that? Mm-hmm. Why did you tell us there were no mm-hmm. causal links? And I'm trying to think the exact words he told us. He said, "There's." I'm pretty sure they said there's no links between mm-hmm. autism and and the vaccine you're claiming. We've certainly like, heard that. Okay, would you show would you please show me all the would you show me all the reports that disprove that that connection because I'm I'm ready to sit down well, and so, show you all the ones that are showing that, right? Yeah, because the hard part is it's autism has become this trap to be honest with you this diagnosis is a trap if you go into and decide you're going to go to vaccine court and Mm -hmm. and sue you know the government now because you can't sue uh the vaccine manufacturer because they're not liable if you use the word autism they throw the case out immediately so when you approach Mm -hmm. the subject you have to 
to be strategic about it. That's what we learned. So we're going to look at, okay, the ingredients in the vaccine, I'm going to look at what the ingredients do. What do they do to the body? Because there are tons of studies that talk about the ingredients, especially the adjuvants, the heavy metals that are in most Mm -hmm. vaccines. Um, that show what they do to like an animal, what they do to the brain. Um, so you can't, I've learned you can't do the straight comparison because if you do, it's a trap. It's like people are going to say, oh, you're a conspiracy theory. And then that just shuts down the conversation. We had conversations with doctors. Actually, one of the pediatricians that we used to see had a son with autism, and she said the same thing. I, I don't see how there's a relationship there. I'm like, well, do you even know the ingredients? Do you know the amount? Do you know that the happy shot has 15 times more um, heavy metals in it, that it's deemed safe by the EPA? I do now. <laughs> Yeah, and, but I nobody went, talks about it that way. No. They try to make that straight connection. But you know, something that's dawned on me, Scott, as we've been listening to you speak, because you know, you and I have been visiting for a long time, and I've really noticed, you know, recently, you know, how you've you know, used to consume the things that I would send you, and then you started to find your own things to consume, and and uh, you know. When you, when I hear you speak about it, I mean you you sound very confident and 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 you 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 sound empowered by you know understanding some of the framing of the conversation. So, so I mean, do you feel like that has been a? Because um, I remember early on, and I may be putting words in your mouth, but it, it was kind of like you know you were like, I don't want to invest time in that because I think it takes away from other things that I have as a priority. Do you do you feel? that that's not the case anymore? Yeah, and, and, and certainly, you know, what's very interesting to me, and I was, I, there's a couple things I want to answer, because, uh, Fabiola, you used um, a thing that I've heard a lot lately called conspiracy theory. Uh-huh. And it's, it's interesting when I hear that word, because I, I think of the expression what that means way. to me is, is something that is kind of like really out there. Mm-hmm. Now, in the time of, and I, I think it's really easy for people to use that term especially in the last year to explain things that are just just seems so goofy you know it's to like, basically shut down the conversation like they would say either it's been debunked and there's no content you just say debunked and mm-hmm. then or they say conspiracy theory we don't believe in conspiracy theories and it's just the way to stop the conversation basically <laughs> Yeah, and it's kind of like you've probably heard that thing too. Is like if, if there's anybody um, that wants to talk about something serious, or you know, or makes a joke about the world being flat, and then follows it up with a discussion about Vaccines. you know a conspiracy <laughs> thing. It's like you know, and the biggest example like that is easy to think of around the vaccine is like you know a year ago or in March they're they're talking about this thing which was a conspiracy theory and you probably all know what it was it was this vaccine passport that you would have to have you know a record of your shot in some way mm-hmm. that um you know will will allow you to participate in life to a certain you know in, in society to a certain way well there's no way that would happen that we're not you know we're not doing that well right. what are we doing now yeah. you know and no there's absolutely no way that we possess the technology to put certain things into our body that would allow us to be, you know, tracked or 
um, or, you know, God forbid, poisoned in a certain way. There's no way that, you know, the state or the people w- would do that to us. I mean, we, you know, it's interesting things like, and, and then I will say people seem to be, I don't know, vilified is not the right word, but when they, when they ask the questions like, hey, could we be sliding off the track similar to like maybe what was happening in Europe, mm-hmm. you know, prior to World War II? Yeah. And, but, you know, so for me, it's like there, you mentioned this early. There is no discussion that's out of bounds for me. Now, mm-hmm. I'm pretty solid on my conviction, my faith for sure. Um, but I, because of those things, I'm willing to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I will say some of the most fruitful conversations that I've had, and maybe to answer your question, Leo, is what has been the big change is as I have been engaged in more and more of these conversations, more specifically around COVID and maybe protocols and treatments with COVID and then vaccinations there, I have wanted to have more and more um, things to talk about with people or just to like know, like I can ask questions because I know the answer, right? Mm -hmm. So like I can ask someone if they are, you know, like a, a friend that, I uh, had been meeting with for a while and we finally, you know, they were apprehensive about meeting for the whole time because they were worried about getting sick at a different level than I was. Um, you know, they were masking, distancing. We hadn't, you know, hugged. And then after, um, you know, getting both both shots of one of the, uh, the vaccines, they were okay to get back together. And so we, you know, for coffee one morning, I just, you know, we caught up and then I was asking them a whole bunch of questions and, and this is someone who's in the sciences and they're, they're a chemist and they, they know how, you know, they know the structures, they know how to explain how all this stuff works. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the problem. The problem was when we got to the point and I'm like, well, so what was it like for you when you went in to get the shot? And he's like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, I, I, and he told me where he went to get it and, and, um, and it was pretty easy. They know he just told him which arm you want to get it in and, and uh, this and then it was uh, pretty much it. And, and I'm like, I said, well, so so you didn't have to sign anything? He's no, no. And I said, they didn't have you sign anything? He said, well, yeah, you had to sign the, you know, the form. I said, well, what was that form all about? Well, you know, it was the, you know, the thing that, and I'm like, what was it about? <laughs> and, and it's like, well, I, I said, did it tell you anything about the ingredients that were in it? Or, you know, he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, okay, so do you remember what the ingredients were? I mean, you know, no, I, you know, I, just, <laughs> That's I said, okay, so what, if some, what, if, what if something were to have happened with there? And I, again, I'm talking to you guys in a little bit different tone. I'm going very slow mm-hmm. and asking very questions like, what was it like for you? Because I want to figure out his story from someone else's story to, you know, to see what are the common things in this story. And, you know, by the time I got to the point, I said, well, it, was there a way for you to report something? If you, if you had a reaction to it, he said, yeah, I, I, I think there was. And I said, well, was it? And I had asked, I said, is it the VAERS system? And I said, V-A-E-R-S. And, and he's like, there was some system. I said, well, was it VAERS? I mean, did they put that at the bottom? That's, that's like the recognized system for people that have a, you know, a, a concern or a reaction. It's a self-reporting system. It can be you or your doctor and stuff like that. You guys know. Uh, most people don't. Our pediatrician never told us about it when we were vaccinating our kids, and I've never heard of anyone reporting to it. And so he said, "Oh yeah, yeah." And I said, "He said that yeah, they they had that on there." And I'm like, "I said so. Has anybody 
you know, been injured by these vaccines? And he's like, yeah, yeah, there were like um, oh, six or eight ladies that uh, got blood clots from one of the other vaccines that I think it was the Johnson and Johnson. And, you know, in fairness, that was a news report. Everybody knows about that one because mm-hmm. that was it made the light of day. It, it, it made the light of day. Right. And and I was waiting for him to tell me about everything else. Right. And he didn't. And the conversation kind of ended. And I'm, I'm like, so have there been any like like really bad things or, or you know, really bad reactions or, or any deaths from these vaccines? And he's like, not that I know of. And I'm like, that right there was um, was shocking to me. And, and not to keep the rest of your audience in suspense, but at the time we had that conversation, there were like 4,111 reported deaths on VAERS. And then anybody who's dug into the VAERS system, so the VAERS system is the vaccine adverse effects um Adverse events reporting system. Adverse events reporting system. We also, we get it wrong too. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm going through this, but I was like, there there have been studies, I think one particularly by Harvard within the last decade or two, that the government paid to make sure this system, you know, uh, Yeah, there was study on the system. To see if it was being, you know, operated right, if people could manipulate the system or if they would take advantage of it. And, And by and large, I'm Anyone who wants to do this as a problem can go into the system and try to, you know, put something in there. You've got, I think you've got a 15-minute window before it closes you down, kicks you out, and starts it over. And just think if you did have an, an adverse reaction from something you took and you wanted to report it on there. Like, say you had a splitting headache or, you know, couldn't stay away from the bathroom because of, you know, certain needs. And you're trying to report this and you can't do it. So you finally go to your doctor and you tell them what happened and, and they're like, well, we can't we can't directly connect it to you getting the shot or taking this vaccine. Maybe I will report it. Maybe I won't. So, in all that, they concluded that there was something like around uh, one one is it one percent one percent yeah one percent of the actual events that are caused appear in this system. Well, let's say that's off by any number of factors. Like, it's still bad, right? So, <laughs> oh, gosh. So if, if, if these people, if there have been and 4,000 people that have died, 4,000 plus people that have died from this and a multitude of injuries already, and that's off by as much as 99%, yeah. it's yeah. bad, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and so the fact that someone who went out and, and had this, product inserted in their body did it with that level of education but also that lack of level of really looking into what it was means either everything that i am researching is is a is a load of crap or the other side is they're not looking at it at all or they don't think it's credible or you know you can you know and everyone says the truth is somewhere in the middle well you know the truth may be somewhere in the middle but if you're not looking at everything you can on it and you're making some really definitive decisions for your life and your family and maybe society around you it's bad and so i i think people really need to um do what i wasn't doing for years and don't say things unless you know 
you know mm-hmm. I, I think th- I think those are those are very well spoken words you know because I think a lot of times we chime in on things that we have very tangential knowledge on and we yeah. act like we are experts and uh, uh, it, it's it's not helpful for people who are trying to collect you know some input to make a decision off of and truth be told I mean we just had our last episode on antibodies right we had three different um, experts you know two mds and uh another doctor on there a researcher and even they didn't agree so so i think it it might even be a little presumptuous of a doctor or a pediatrician to say oh yeah we know that that's not true i mean because there's no debate anymore and science is about debate right I mean, right. how do we know unless we really inspect, as you said, and, and there's got to be a, a, a level, as you said, of um, resonating with the information to this, this same right, you know, just like check in with yourself. And I think that's what we have lost. And I said that in another episode, I think we have lost the ability to trust ourselves you know, and our intuition and that little voice that's talking in the background say, hey, there's something off here. Maybe you should look into this a little more. But I do have one last question for you, Scott. Um, What, and that's the million dollar question. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So now that you come to all the conclusions and you're doing the research yourself and really looking at this, what do you think the end game is here? What What do you think? What do you think things are going down the way they're going down? Basically, why are all these governments and experts all saying one thing when we're kind of like, eh, not sure, this is really what it is? It seems like it's not. But why do they keep saying that? What do you yeah, think is no, going that, on? <laughs> what do I think is going on? Well, first of all, I think there are people that know what's going on and that's part of that's part of the whole situation um when when we've talked about this for the past year we've learned so much about this virus we've learned so much about this and the other thing i'm like yeah maybe we have but there's there's been there's been a consistent push for some major pieces to move around in our world okay Mm -hmm. and we can argue until those happen or don't happen as to whether they're beneficial for our society or our world. And they can be, you know, political changes. They can be medical changes. They can be uh, economic changes. All, all of those things happen all the time. And for most of us, we're ignorant on those things because we don't we don't dig into them. Right. And I will say, you know, from an, from an emotional standpoint, for me, like, um, you know, I can't do anything well that's that's a lie i can do something but i'm not called to go over and and be in in the middle of africa meeting the needs of people who are are dying there right um now that may change and if god calls me to that change then i should be open and willing to do that Mm -hmm. but if i can't affect that and my, my point is if i can't affect that change personally with my life and my every ounce of who i am every day then it takes an emotional toll now i can i can give money we can give money as a family we can pray pray for change and pray for healing but 
to subject myself, and that's just one example, but if I suggest my, suggest, subject myself to every single one of those emotional triggers and I can't, I have very little uh, effect on the outcome, mm-hmm. then that's a health hazard for me. And, and what, where do I get that information? Where do most people get that information? They get it from the, the stream of information that flows to them from things that are given to them. So when you, the big difference is if you turn on the television, you probably know this, but you turn on the television or something that you're attached to a network and you sit back, you will be given stuff, right? Yeah. Or you can go select, you can go select what you want to partake and consume from you know, different sources. Now you can use that for good or ill the same way that whoever's feeding you the information over a, a media source has it. But the same, same thing at the end of the day, it affects who you are, becomes part of you. Yeah. So that part of your question is, I think there is, I mean, it's hard for me to say, I think there's something going on. I know there's something going on. <laughs> we all know there's, we all know there's something going on. The end game, I think, I mean, there is evil in the world. Mm-hmm. I also know who wins. And I also know that there's a timing to all this that is beyond my comprehension. And um, I don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But I have been given a very specific charge in my life as, as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, and as a, a citizen of a state, country, and world to live for him and protect I'll just say protect because I, I, I want I want that to be open enough for, for people that might be listening to this to understand that it's not it's not a political economic or thing. You know, I could wake up tomorrow and be in China in a totally different political system and mm-hmm. it shouldn't affect my faith. Mm-hmm. It may look different the way I'm able to practice it over there because of the government constructs or my economic um, abilities, but that thing should be solid no matter what happens. Getting back to the end game, where where it is for me personally, it, I am experiencing, and I, I don't like using the word feeling, but I'm, I'm getting that nudge for the first time in many years that there is a specific path and direction for me to take mm-hmm. to help foster these conversations and get them started. The end game would be I hope that we we can we can make the the medical system, the medicines we have, the treatments we have, the people giving the treatments, the people advising us on the treatments, the people making policies for the country and the people that we elect and put in charge to make our decisions can all work together in such a better way that we see the good in what we're trying to do. Because I can look at any political issue from left to right and say there is a morsel of why that person who brought that issue up and why so many people believe in it, there is good or there is a good reason for most every one of those things at its core and they've been distorted. You know, Mm -hmm. and our medical system, we have abilities out there. I, I don't think it's crazy to think, We don't have to have cancer in the way we have it. We don't have to have illness in the way we have it. We certainly don't have to be, you know, 
unhealthy the way we are, specifically in, in certain parts of the world and in certain parts of the United States. There are things that we can track to a, a, a question you had earlier. Like, you know, when you look at the things that have changed in the numbers over the years, as far as childhood illnesses and autism on the rise, I mean, you could just look back and say, well, what is the oldest living person with autism? And I think, I think they're like 83. Well, how mm-hmm. long has the vaccines been going on in the way we're, we're, we're doing them in the, the rollouts? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe around 80 or 90 years, maybe 50 or 60. When mm-hmm. did they really ramp up and really start the schedule that we're on now? I can and tell you. What, well, yeah, you can tell me. And I'm just, I, I want people to like listen to this and think about it. It's like, I'm not going to blame vaccines for it. But I do want to say that there has been a crazy increase in the number of these illnesses between the time I was born or slightly before to what they are now. Mm-hmm. And I know some of the projections say that in the next 10 years or so, one in every two kids born is going to have autism. Yeah. Well, if it's, if it's our environment, what do we need to do about our environment? What can we do to, to change in this whole picture there? If it's our health, if it's what we're putting into our body and also what we're withholding out of our body. Do vaccines play a part in public safety in the way we all think they do? Mm-hmm. Do we all need to get every vaccine every time it's said to us at, at, at a certain time? Do we need to be vaccinating before birth? Do we need to vaccinate every person of every race the same way? Is it a one, one size fits all thing? Or is it so much that we've allowed the economics and the other sides of, of these products to surpass the actual good that they're doing in a society and you know we we could have long conversations about this if people want to about individual relationships about how someone chose to make a decision on a vaccine this way and someone made a different decision on a vaccine this way and they're not pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine that's not even a real thing right okay Mm -hmm. but it's the it's the information around those decisions that should be personal and private and with your doctor and done without any bias from outside organizations as to what to do for your body. And when we can have those things and and your kids' bodies, Mm -hmm. and when we can all have those things, then I think things will start to change. So there's a part of me that says, I think the whole system just needs to be trashed and restarted. Now, does that mean every doctor who's gone to medical school loses their license and can't practice medicine or every pharmaceutical company that's set up these labs, we need to go burn them all to the ground and start over and we have to completely, you know, send everybody's money back to themselves. I'm not talking about that, Mm -hmm. but I am talking about first, stop the censorship. Everybody can talk. I don't care if your opinion is crazy. I would rather hear a thousand crazy opinions and know that everybody has a right to give an opinion and everybody has a right to put their information out there and that we're not, we're not stupid people. We're not people that just need to be fed everything. We're going to look at everything. We're going to, we're going to have the right to find the information, make decisions for ourselves. And you know what? That stuff is all going to work itself out. Yeah. You know, you don't, you, if you, I mean, that would be the first step. If you just, well, the I, government's one responsibility was to protect people's rights to free speech, which, oh, I think it is. Um, we would be fine because people would talk. And even you could still put someone in the crack box, but at least it wouldn't be a vilified thing. And Well, and I, yeah. I think, I think Scott, that, and maybe you'd, you'd agree that, that uh, 
you know, what this pandemic I think has done is I think it's probably, you know, shook the hell out of a lot of people. And I think that a lot of people are, have their eyes wide open. I think, I think what you've got probably is a little bit of both directions. You've got some people who have hunkered down so hard in the narrative that they're mm-hmm. not, they're not going anywhere. It doesn't matter if an atomic bomb goes off in their front yard, you know, they're, they're, they're not changing their opinion. Um, right. but, but then you've got those other people who have seen the man behind the curtain and, uh, they, there's no going back, mm-hmm. you know, right. and, and, and now you, you, where you might've had a few percentage of people who were woke up before now it's, I think it's probably a fairly substantial number. You know, you're getting into the, the 15 to 20%. Now of that 20%, you're probably only maybe still 5% who are vocal, but, but, uh, you've got another, you know, 10 to 15 who, you know, if, if, uh, you ask them a, a direct question, they'll tell you. And, and, uh, um, I think that's a good sign because it, it because then those people um, on on um, what I might call our side, I think mm-hmm. they are much more um, fervent in um, putting the effort forward than the people on the narrative side. Yeah, no, and you're exactly right, and and it just it just really takes. And the other thing too, <laughs> you know, for me. I think with like, like with a lot of people, it, it's hard to listen to certain people yeah. just because of, even though they may have the right information. It was, I was even referencing something I was looking, I was a part of a town hall meeting tonight and I, I've heard a lot of the information before as far as statistics and, and results and things that were going on. So I knew and was on the same side as like, I understand that information to be correct and credible and stuff like that. But the person delivering it was doing it in such a way that I thought would have been damaging. Yeah. yeah, if I if I had someone who was listening to this the first time say, "Well, are you aware of this? Are you aware of this?" and then I send I send this piece of information over to them for to look, for them to look at and evaluate. If someone sent that to me, I'm like, it doesn't matter what they were saying, you know. The person lost me, and we all have that. But you also can't be completely the other way where you're so you know passive about you know, sharing, um, all sides of the information that, that, that people (laughs) just don't even know you're there. And so that's, you know, taking those opportunities and, and, and we're going to have, you know, we're going to have that opportunity, whether it's good or bad moving forward, um, with, with a lot of our family members, with, with the people we come in contact with. And, And my encouragement is, you know, to not be scared. Now Mm -hmm. where I am on, you know, this whole thing, I, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm supposed to be an advocate for childhood, for children and their safety. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've got my own babies mm-hmm. and I've got your babies too, right? We, and, and, and every, every, every life is precious and it's not just the young, it's the old. Mm-hmm. And there, there are better ways to do these things. And I think that's what we need to we need to keep in mind that, you know, obviously there's there's bad apples, but when when we say we're all on the same team, we got to really be cognizant of what that means, yeah. and um, and you can't, you know, you could have you could have done what you guys were doing and in, in, in educating and and being around us and talking about this, and I will say even even within some of our other and closer family members, 
we're not on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, as uh, as these new things that I'm, um, even even folks that are going to listen to this, if if they uh, if they're willing to to hear this interview, are going to say, well, okay, this is this is going to be challenging. This is going to be a fight because I I believe that. Um, these things that we've we've done in our family or believe that we've done are the right things to do. I believe yeah. that the measures we've taken or have been told by our government or the medical establishment or our doctors are the right things to do. And yeah. and and they have so much more credence in my life than the information that may prove contrary to that. Mm-hmm. And and that's really tough because it is, you know, it's a silence it's definitely not a majority and it's it's not always a silent minority but you know you can go find out what's going on out there in the world for real and mm-hmm. not just be programmed by what is coming into the sources that you don't have a lot of control over hallelujah I mean, this, this sad, <laughs> sadly this information is very hard to find and um but yeah. it's not it's not it's not someone in a room saying, hey, let's type this up and send it out there and see how many people we can put it on uncensored networks. This, this information, by and large, I mean, there's some, there's some interesting outlying things and there's some uh, things that drive me crazy from time to time that people send across there. But it's, by and large, all backing each other up and, and the, the conclusions and the, the things that are actually happening have some real footing, some really solid um, foundations to them, and they they warrant being um, really dug into. And again, I go say this: you guys have said this. I'll I'll put I'll put information out there and let people make their own decisions. I mean, yeah. part of the other things that I'm doing is I've I put together a collection of these interactions with people, and it's been more specifically over how they felt, how they've been reacted to, what their particular Things were like, and our my our conversations with our doctors and our church and and our employers and stuff like that, and how they've reacted all these things, and they're just conversations, and they don't always conclude. Mm-hmm. But you know, just maybe putting a podcast out there where people can listen to something that that I've had a conversation with about these other people and said, oh, you know what, maybe maybe I could try that with someone that hasn't been willing to talk about this. I have not changed anybody's mind, by the way. Yeah. Okay, but what I have found that there's a lot more people out there who are thinking along these lines that we've been talking about tonight, and they want they want to be able to talk, mm-hmm. you know, and and so we have to. There's got to be some voices to, that are opening those channels, you know. Yeah. So yeah. so we are yeah. we are those channels. So yeah. I can't wait for yeah, you to yeah. publish those. Yeah, hurry up and get that done. Yeah. You know, I assigned that to you weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> I know. Well, ho- hopefully now that we we have a little bit of respite from the normal, um, you know what our normal life is when we're not on vacation. I'm, I've made that, um, you know, promise to to myself and 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 to uh, you guys and some others that I wanted to put these out there. Um, I don't know how boring they'll be, but. Um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see. we'll definitely give them a shot. We'll give you a plug here on the collective resistance. That's but I, right. I I think that's probably a good place to stop. I do appreciate you taking the time with us, Scott. I hope that uh, you got to talk about the things that uh, you wanted to bring up. Um, but uh, it's 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 been great. And uh, on that note, this has been another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast with Leo and Fabi. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? 
Stay healthy, stay safe, stay curious. <laughs>